Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Jeff McAlino Podcast. I am so glad that you joined me today. I will keep the introduction as short as I can. Uh, today, I am very thrilled to be joined by a guest that I very much wanted to have an opportunity to talk to, and he so gracefully, graciously, whatever the right word would be, uh, sat down with me for quite a while to chat. It is the great Larry Sharp. Now, many of you probably do not need an introduction to Larry Sharp, uh, but for those of you who are unaware, uh, Larry Sharp is a husband, father, Marine veteran, entrepreneur, teacher, and political activist. He is a libertarian, uh, which you've probably heard me mention uh, in passing a few times that I am. Uh, Larry's mission is to help people find happiness through community and purpose, often by overcoming bad policy decisions in government. He was the 2018 Libertarian Party uh, New York State gubernatorial candidate and garnered about 100,000 votes, which is more than any previous Libertarian candidate. Uh, he also, uh, that outcome enabled the Libertarian Party to achieve automatic ballot access for the first time in New York State history. Uh, he has a... Uh, podcast, video podcast, The Sharp Way, it's sharp with an E, uh, most weeknights at 7 p.m. Eastern, and uh, he's got a book uh, soon to be uh, upcoming uh, called On Happiness. Uh, he's also been on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, as well as many others, uh, very well-known voice in the Libertarian Party, uh, and, uh, you know, we talked to him, or I talked to him about... Uh, several things, uh, and it doesn't get entirely political, uh, as far as, uh, giving you any messages. I'll, I'll tell you, we don't talk about vaccines or anything like that, I promise. Um, but, um, you know, we, we do talk about, uh, kind of the, the downfalls and the pitfalls of the two-party system and, uh, have a good discussion. Was so glad he joined me. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, hope, hope, you will subscribe, follow, uh, like, share. If you have uh, Apple product, you can rate and review me. I would be very happy. Or and, uh, tell a friend about it. I uh, hope you enjoy it. I've got a lot of uh, very popular episodes that have uh, come out somewhat recently. Um, just looking through my ratings, they continue to go up, and I'm very appreciative of that. Some of the most popular episodes I've had recently uh uh, episode 43 with the great comedian and author Sam Talent, uh, which you can listen to, or you, that one you can actually watch on YouTube. And actually, my most downloaded episode now is episode 35 with Calvin Smith. Uh, someone finally passed the uh, episode 3 mark uh, with Frank King. Um, so if you're looking for other episodes to listen to, those are some great suggestions. And there's many others, depending on what uh, what you like most. Um all right, I will give you this chat with me and Larry uninterrupted, and I will uh, just check in real quick on the tail end. Hope you enjoy it. All right, everyone. Now I welcome the wonderful Larry Sharp to the Jeff McAlino podcast. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm a, a big fan of yours. Um, I need and, more of them. <laughs> yes, well, I need more. Ho hopefully this just adds at least a few. Uh, I, there we go. There <laughs> we go. And one or two. I'll take them. Yeah, I um, you you there's no way you would remember meeting me. Um, we met we, we like shook hands, I think, in uh, in uh, the Florida Libertarian Party convention back in I think it was 2017. Um, I didn't want to talk to you because I had completely embarrassed myself in front of Matt Welsh the night before. And I'm like, I've had enough for, <laughs> had enough for one week. <laughs> yeah, but Matt Welch can also be kind of embarrassing. So it's fine. It's all good. Yeah. Well, it was just a bad, it was the, it was the Friday before business. And I had had a, a few too many cocktails and Mike, I went up to talk to him and my first thing I said was not coherent. Um, Got it. Yeah. So, so he's like, Hey, you're having a great time. Can you repeat what you just said in English? <laughs> like, all right. Well, <laughs> let's not embarrass myself again. <laughs> um, well, one thing I've I've noticed is when I go to conventions and I go to many of them, um, 
when, when you start, when you decide that you're going to start imbibing in adult uh, beverages, you probably should do that after you've made all your conversations, right? Yes. Right. Meet the people <laughs> you want to meet, then get hammered, right? You don't want to get hammered, then meet them. Yeah, that's, you got to change the order on that one, my friend. That's all. Yeah, well, I made the mistake. I, I got there early because I was helping a guy who was going to run for governor of Florida. Unfortunately, that fell through. And uh, maybe I'll touch on that a little bit as when we talk uh, about the party. Um, but uh, I was my big thing was meeting him before everyone got there. And we sat down for hours and talked about his platform and all that stuff. So after that, I just let go and kind of forgot there were other people I wanted to talk to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> my my mission was complete. It just you know, <laughs> unfortunate gotcha. for the rest of the evening. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so I do, I mean, obviously I've mentioned on my podcast that I'm a libertarian. Uh, you are, uh, in my mind, one of the best libertarians in the country right now. Uh, wow. I, Thank you. I, I say that sincerely. I, I have, um, right now I say there's, there's four great liber libertarian messengers and they all, you all have different, uh, different touches that makes, you know, if you can't find one of the four of you fascinating, then, you know, that I, you've hit a very big point that I like tremendously. And you know, that in our party and in most movements, not just ours, but sometimes you have people who want to be gatekeepers for, for messaging, right? No, you must message my way. You must say the thing that I say, you must do the thing that I do. And it's common in any movement, right? The reality of it is you really want to have multiple messages because people are different. There are different spots in their life. They're going to hear things differently. They're going to take things differently. In fact, you know, as, as, as simple as it is, sometimes the messenger doesn't connect with the person, right? Right. The same words could come out of my mouth as someone else's, but you don't like how I look or how I sound, or you don't like my New York accent or whatever, right? That's the thing you don't like. You prefer this instead. And that's going to land. It doesn't mean you won't eventually come to me or somebody else. But my goal always has been come to the movement. I don't care how you get here. Drive, walk, plane. I don't care how you get here. But come to the movement. And then hopefully you'll find a home and stay. And hopefully you'll like a bunch of us. But I don't care how you get here. Right. And I think, uh, and I've listened to you talk for hours on different conference calls and things like that. And uh, libertarians all know this, but... Uh, I, I don't think this is a common thing outside of, of your messaging is your 80-20 rule. Um, where, yes. You know, if you agree with someone on 80% of the things, that should be good enough. And I think in this country, not just the Libertarian Party, obviously it's a problem in the Libertarian Party, but I think the country at large, there's a big issue with, you know, one thing I disagree with you on and you're bad or nowadays it's you're racist or you're transphobic or you're this, well, no, that, you got to remember thing. now. Um, it, it depends on two sides, right? When it comes to the left-right dy dynamic and then the third-party dynamic. In the left-right dynamic, all that matters is who's in charge, mm -hmm. right? When, when Trump was in charge, the right was very much about you have to love Trump or you're out. Right. But the left was very accepting. All you have to do is hate Trump. I don't care, right? Just hate Trump, and that's all that matters, right? So they, they used Trump because he was in charge as the center, now that the left's in charge, it's reverse, right? Now the left, if you know, way gatekeepy, so alienating. You must do everything we say, everything we believe, or you're out. And the right's like, do you hate socialism? We love you. So yeah. the reverse has happened. It all depends on who's in charge, right? When, when Trump was in charge, you had to love or hate Trump. That's all that mattered. And what united the left was we all hate Trump. Got to get rid of him. Orange man's bad. So we got to get rid of Orange Man, and that's all that mattered. But now they're in charge, and they're eating themselves. Right. Because now they're in charge, and they don't have Trump now as their, see, we hate Trump, so we can all get together to hate him. Now they're eating each other, and the right's more like, can we just get rid of socialists? Can you? It's fine. <laughs> you like Trump, don't like Trump, whatever. Just can you not? So you, it depends on who's in charge and how that dynamic changes. Now, when it comes to third party, third party, it's always that way. Because remember... When you're getting someone, and this is difference, who's already a Republican or Democrat, you're asking them to change their habits. And man, that's hard. I'm looking for a reason as a human to go back to my habits. And if I've been voting, if I'm in a blue area, I've been voting Democrat for 20 years. If I'm in a red area, I've been voting Republican for 20 years. So that's what I'm accustomed to. 
So if you always tell me, here's this Green Party, Libertarian Party, Independent Party, they got to be almost perfect for me to not break my habit, which means two things. One, you either got to find a Democrat Republican who is a single issue voter that comes to us on that one issue. For example, if you can find a Democrat who's so anti-war, that's all they care about. That Democrat can come to us because even though the things, they're single issue, right? Or you find someone, a Republican, who's end the Fed, they're single issue. That person we can get. Otherwise, we really have to focus on people who are kind of either checked out or already independent-minded, if that makes any sense. Because right. those people will go with an 80-20 rule. The other person is going to go for basically, you got to be amazing or I'm sticking to my old guns. Right. Well, it, it, it's almost a, a weird philosophy. I've noticed this with um, a lot of uh, people my mother's age, frankly. It's a, a party commitment where the principles ha can can shift, the candidates can shift, but you feel like, well, I've done this my whole life. I've talked to a lot of registered Republicans back in really, when I was more involved in the Libertarian Party back in the 2017, 2018 days, and they were like, well, but I've been registered Republican my whole life. It's like, yes, you know, you don't get a like customer loyalty card, punch card of the years. You you can switch back and forth all you want. Look, I was I was raised in the South Bronx. I was raised across the street from Yankee Stadium. Hmm. I used to go to Yankee games all the time. Back when I was a kid in the 70s, I'm an old man now. When I in the 70s, I was a kid. It was a dollar fifty to get into the bleachers. So I used to go to games all, I knew all the Yankees. I'm a big Yankee fan. I couldn't even tell you the starting lineup right now. It doesn't matter. I'm a big Yankee fan. Why? Because I'm a Yankee fan. When they suck, I love the Yankees. When they're awesome, I love the Yankees. If they change, you know, coaches, I, Yankees, it doesn't matter. I'm a Yankee fan. Now, do I get a card? No, but that's what I grew up. That's what I was raised. So that's what I know. That's I still live in New York City. So, of course, I still love the Yankees. It doesn't matter who or what. I think we find political parties in a similar way. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. It doesn't matter who the guy or gal is. If you're old enough to remember, there is a big difference between a Reagan Republican, a Bush Republican, and a Trump Republican. There's yeah. a big difference between a, a Carter Democrat, a Clinton Democrat, and an Obama Democrat. And even now... Uh, a Biden Democrat, right? An Obama Democrat was nowhere near as open to socialism as a as a Biden Democrat is, right? Relatively, Obama was was mediocre relative to today's socialists, right? Right. It's a relative scale, obviously, right? It's shifted totally a lot. <laughs> it has. It's shifted. Yes, right. I'm not saying that Obama's awesome. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is just right, different, right. right? And the shift is a different shift. They're all different. You might go, well, why doesn't make any sense? It does because it's tribal. It's our tribe. And when the warlord of the tribe changes, that's what it is. The Republicans were open last time, which I did not like. I didn't like what they did, but I understood why they did it. They were actually open. They didn't bother having a platform. It's the first time. They were like, doesn't matter. Our warlord is Trump. Therefore, it's Trump. Now, to be forward, that's not only the, Demo the Republicans. Democrats have been doing that, too. They just didn't do it, obviously, right? Biden is the platform for the for, for um the, for the Democrats, but they pretended like their platform mattered. The Republicans just said it doesn't matter. We're out. I think Democrats are going to follow the same thing next time. Go, we don't care. Platform doesn't matter. Our guy is our platform. Whatever. That's what it actually is. But the difference between us and them, and the reason why we we fight sometimes also, is because we're not a party of an individual. We don't care about our warlord. I can yell all day. I'm the king of libertarians and I'll get laughed off the stage, right? It does no one's going to believe that, right? Because we are actually a party of principles, which is why we fight. Which is why we're upset because you have to follow the principles and principles will be judged differently. You will see it as x, I will see it as x plus 1, someone else sees it as x minus 1, someone sees it as y, right? But the, these are principles when we're going to fight over those things. When you have a warlord and what the warlord says is right, it does make life easier, right? You're a Democrat. Why? Because Joe Biden. You're a Republican. Why? Because Trump. Done. Yeah. It makes it a whole lot easier. And I don't know if it's just because I, it, getting older, I notice this more, or maybe it's because 
Twitter, which is a terrible thing, but uh, almost a necessity still, nonetheless. Do you really, do you really want to talk about Twitter? Boo. No, 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 no. But it's just the <laughs> parroting of, uh, and I, I, it was probably before Trump, but it just, I think Twitter amplified it. Just anything that, you know, anything that now it's the, the saying that drives me insane is trust the science. I don't think the liberals who are tweeting that have a background in science or know what the hell they're talking about, but it's just the, oh, you're denying science. And look, I'm not talking about the vaccine positive or negative. I'm just saying you don't know if you knew what science was, you would know the background of science is questioning everything constantly. No, but you got to remember something, right? There are two things. One is you want to always find a slogan that people can go along because it's very cult-like. Right. So you always find a slogan that and we do in the Libertarian Party, too. We yell end the Fed or taxation theft. Right. We have yep. our slogans, too. Right. Every group has their own slogans they use. Ours tend to be, again, because principles don't change. Our slogans tend to remain the same over time. Right. Theirs don't because theirs are based upon the warlord. Right. Ours is not based on the warlord. Ours is based on principles. So ours tend to remain very similar. Like we're going to be yelling taxation theft for 100 years. Right. That's right. not going to change. We're going to be yelling end the Fed until it's until it ends. Right. Yes. However long that is, that's not going to change regardless of who our warlord. We don't really have one. Our our figurehead is maybe better. Uh, regardless of who our figurehead is, we're going to be yelling the same things because it's based on principle. Theirs isn't. But um, the, the thing that you have to realize is the vast majority of Americans. We're in a good and a bad spot. The good spot is. There is so much information available for us to go find out whatever we want to find out, to understand, to learn. So amazing. The bad part is there's so much information out there. It's also a bad thing because now we are overwhelmed. Well, you're overwhelmed. If you want to figure out about whatever, any science you want, you could go down a terrible rabbit hole and never come out. Mm -hmm. You could go, you could spend your entire weekend forgetting you have a family and friends just sitting on the internet for I'm not even sleeping, right? And that's it, and going, shower, what's that? You could become that guy in like three days, right? So please don't become that guy. But I'm just well, saying, there's, you there's could science become that, that guy. Showers, showering too much is bad. So <laughs> there we go. Yes. But my point being, because that's true, the vast majority of Americans who have other things to do, we do no work. What we do instead is simply listen to our talking head that we trust. So our talking head says, this is good. It's good. Our talking head says this is bad. It's bad. That's how we work. Now, if we're more tribal, then we just follow the tribe and we keep hearing the same thing. Now, Fox News did this best. I was it in the 90s. They began this or maybe 2000s. Now everybody does it. But again, it began more with Fox News is what Fox News would do is they'd have a morning show and the morning show. They'd say, um, hey, Jane, did you hear that if you eat chicken, you'll grow to six feet tall. Chicken, six feet tall. I didn't hear that. That's what I heard. They'll say that. Then the show afterwards goes, people are talking about this chicken. You eat it, you'll get six feet tall. And the next show comes on. I don't know if everybody's talking about the chicken. It's just them. Yes. And then if you happen to watch all three shows, you hear, oh, my God, this chicken thing. If I eat it, I'll be six feet tall. That began with Fox News. Now everyone does it. MSNBC does it. CNN does it. They all do it now. So now if I'm part of that tribe and I watch six hours or three hours of MSNBC every day, whatever I hear, I've heard it four, five, six times. Right. Well, of course I believe it. My tribe's people are telling me this, that the talking heads that I trust are telling me this. Of course I believe it. Yeah. And it's a scary thing. And it's one thing with the, the way the media works too, especially with, I, I, I got, big into this during 2012 when Ron Paul was running for the Republican nomination yep. and they'd have the debates and, you know, you could do sound bites, three to 10 second sound bites from all the candidates. But Ron Paul, frankly, gave you more well thought out answers that don't Absolutely. condense into 10 seconds. You need 90 seconds and they're not going to play that on the news. Uh, and it's like it, you, you can't I, I always I've, I've said libertarianism is more than a political party. It's a philosophy. Yep. And uh, it's uh, it, it. So I, I always feel like for a lot of people, it takes one issue. Like you were saying with single issue vo voters, it takes yep. one issue to just pop. And if you can see that through the lens of a libertarian view, 
slowly you will progress down the road which eventually may may lead to anarchism but uh that's a that's a whole separate issue well let let me touch a couple of things um the first one is what you talked about with ron paul the and if you what we're doing right now is exactly an example of that the youth and when i say youth i mean if you're under 30 you expect this if you're under 40 you're into it but maybe not as much Generally speaking, if you're over 50, you're on the border, over 60, you want to hear it. And that is long form. Long form. The youth like long form. They like the Joe Rogan. They like the hour podcast. My show is often an hour and a half, two hours long. The youth like it. They like to have the back and forth. They want to understand what you're thinking. They don't want the sound bite. The older folks, that's all they know. If you're over 60, that's all you ever knew. That's what you expect. You want the sound bite. And then you want your talking head to tell you what it means, right? That's what you want. You want the sound bite and your talking head to tell you what it means. Right. If you're younger, you want a conversation. You want your talking head to spur the person to talk, which is why Joe Rogan's so popular, right? He gets the person to talk. That's a different mindset. That's changing. And I think Ron Paul was simply ahead of his time. Right. If Ron Paul was 30 years younger, he'd be killing it about right now. Right. Because his time would be coming now. Right. Because the long form is where he shines. The long form is where he's able to explain things and do well. And the the people who vote, sadly, most of them, they're over 50. Right. right? So they they don't want to hear it. But that is changing. So then it has happened. That's an advantage. But the second piece you brought up, which is the idea of hearing someone. Right. Most people come to our movement. For one reason. They heard somebody say something that made sense. And it's usually on something they care about, right? So I'm mad at this. And someone goes, here's something that makes sense. You go, oh, that's the first time I've I've been had an answer. Wow, okay. What usually happens is people, when when a left-right paradigm, you ask any Democrat or Republican, how do you fix a problem or what's my issue? They only do one of two things. We're going to fix it by caring and, 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 and doing and making people, you know, the thing. And I go, okay, what thing? You know, we're going to make sure they have what they need and support them. Great. How? You know, by supporting and giving. And then if they're a Democrat, they use the word fund. If they're a Republican, they use the word invest. But it just means more taxes, fines, and fees. They have no actual answer. Or right. the other thing, they do, that's, that's option one. Option two. Other guy bad. <laughs> other guy bad. Right? Look, okay, Jeff, I know I killed the guy but he killed like three dudes. So you got to vote for me. I, I only killed one guy. He killed three and that's it. But that was actually a literal argument that some people had with Trump and Biden. Well, Biden oh, yes. accused of sexual assault, but he's only been accused by three women. Trump's been accused by 20. Yes. I wasn't really? joking that's when I argument? said that. <laughs> yes. But when you create a, a dichotomy of only having two choices and our society constantly saying, Third party can't win. Let me ask a serious question for anybody out there. If a third party candidate is on the ballot, and there's a hard part, the system's against us, against us getting on the ballot. But assuming a third party's on the ballot, why can't they win? Only one reason. You won't vote for them. That's the only reason. There's nothing else. And your talking heads are telling you, don't vote for them, and you're believing it. And your media is saying, don't vote for them and you're believing it now if they're not in the ballot different issue but if they're on the ballot if you can check a box for a third-party candidate the only thing stopping them from winning is you nothing else everything else they tell you is a bunch of garbage you you can vote for them if you want to you won't because you're believing your talking heads who've been telling you the same garbage for 40 years who've been lying to you for 40 years who've been screwing you for 40 years and you are so broken as a voter that you simply either check out or just check the same old thing you've been doing for the last 20 years. That's the reality. Well, and they used, especially the, the 2020 election, uh, was they used the this guy bad argument the most when I would say I'm yes. voting for Joe Jorgensen. It was, they try to see who I hated more. And they'd say, well, that's a right. vote for Trump or that's a yep. vote for Biden. So I-, I, I So you got tweet. three votes. Right, I had a tweet that blew up because I-, I took a picture of my mail-in ballot and I filled in the bubble for Joe Jorgensen. And I said, I think my ballot's broken. I was told it was a vote for Trump and a vote for Biden. Only Joe <laughs> Jorgensen, the other buttons didn't fill automatically. I think I need a new ballot. Exactly. 
and uh, that 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 made the uh the uh, the left and the right a little angry <laughs> yes absolutely yes 100 percent. but you're right i mean that that's the issue right that they're so busy saying and this is what i'll tell anyway if anyone's listening if you're listening now and you're going yeah but we couldn't have had trump or no we had to stop but whatever don't forget don't forget this important issue bush got you obama obama got you trump trump got you biden it just goes back and forth you're not winning you're fooling yourself thinking you're winning oh we stopped the libs or we stopped the, the republicans no no you just delayed them before they come back again that's all you've done this is just a system that does not work you think you're winning you're fooling yourself you are literally a hamster on a wheel get off the goddamn wheel stop this well, and with each new president becomes new uh, executive powers that they create yep. for themselves. So they're becoming more and more dictator-like. And and the, the base, you know, I remember with Obama when he was doing a bunch of executive orders, I said to, to my liberal friends who were like, well, the Republicans aren't going to go along with it. So he has to do it this way. I'm like, you're not going to like it when the next guy does it. <laughs> yes. And sure absolutely. enough, Trump came in and I yep. said to the Republican, you're not going to like it when the next guy does it. You <laughs> yep. don't learn. It is a hamster wheel. It's just red yes. and blue blindness. And uh, yeah, it's, it is. And, it is the, way too and much now the like worst sports. part is <laughs> now we're fighting even more because you're right. Now elections have even more consequences because now the goal is not to move the country forward. The goal is just to get rid of the other guy. And once you have that, now if you've noticed, the government's only about one thing now, grift. It's only about people making money off of it. That's why we had a 20-year war in Afghanistan. People made tons of money off of it. Not because anybody cared about what happened in Afghanistan. Clearly, nobody cared, right? The issue was, how much money can we make off of it? How much money can we go for this and that? Why do you think this? we're doing a trillion-dollar deal? Where did that money goes? A bunch of that goes to large corporations, wealthy people. Of course it does. It's a gift. It's just a gift to more money. Most of the people at the top, they know Rome is burning. They understand the empire is crumbling, right? They don't call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires for nothing. That's the last stop of all great empires. Alexander's last stop, the British Empire's last stop, the Soviet Union's last stop, and our last stop. The empire is crumbling, and they know the barbarians are coming. So all they're doing is going, how much money can I get before the empire falls? That's why they're putting their money someplace else because they know the empire is falling. The only way to save our nation is a third party. Larry, that sounds like hyperbole. No, it's reality. Why? I'll give you an actual example. The death of George Floyd. George Floyd dies. The left yells, defund the police. The right yells, back the blue. Nothing changes. The only person who actually tried to do anything was the one libertarian congressman that we had, which was Justin Amash. He was libertarian. He was the only one in all of Congress at the time. He's left. Now we have no one, but we had him when he was there. He said, you know what? Let me try to get a bill and let me try to start fixing things. Let's let's move the ball forward. It's a simple idea of what if we ended qualified immunity for cops? How about that? That right. was his first. Uh, let's try that. And he knew being a libertarian that he actually can't push this bill on his own. So he went and got Democrats and Republicans together to sign off on this bill. He got the first tripartisan bill ever. And of course, at that time, the Republican Mitch McConnell and the Democrat Nancy Pelosi said, get away from me. We're not doing any of that stuff. And nothing happened. But he was the only one to move forward. He crossed the aisle. You can't cross the aisle as a Democrat Republican. You lose your job. You get right. primary. You cannot cross. Only, only libertarians can. Let me go one step further. Imagine right now, right now, if we just had three libertarians in the Senate. Three. We'd run the Senate. Yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd be the swing vote if we had, I don't know, 15 libertarians in Congress, not 435, not 200, 15 out of 435, 15 is all we have to have. Three percent. So we got to have. We run we run uh, we run our Congress now. We could be the swing vote, and make things work and make people cross the aisle and actually compromise and talk again. That's how we do this. Third party is the only answer, the only way to set for nation. Otherwise, all we do is keep going down this horrible road to eventual collapse. And what people don't understand is with those three senators, it's not that it would be everything would go to the right or everything would go to the left. It would go to the, well, 
the libertarian way or the correct way, as I like to call it. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, and that, but I do think uh, there's a, a weird disillusion among Republicans that libertarians are liberals who don't like to pay taxes, and Democrats think that libertarians are Republicans who like to smoke weed. Yeah. Um, so they're afraid. Well, if a libertarian gets elected, they're going to side Republican all the time, and and vice versa. Um, and I I wonder. It's interesting, though, at least there have been some elected Republicans who call themselves libertarian. Uh, I mean, Amash was elected as a Republican initially. Yep. Thomas Massey, I've, I've seen him call himself a small L libertarian many times. Yep. Rand Paul, you know, I, I, he's not his dad, unfortunately, but he's done some good. Uh, you know, but the left won't, won't even elect a libertarian. <laughs> That's way out of there. Well I'm hoping that we can change that because we need the left mm -hmm. desperately, particularly in a state like mine, right? I live in New York state. So my state is three to one Democrat to Republican. My city is six to one Democrat to Republican. So we can't move forward without gaining the left. We have to talk to the left. I talk to the left constantly. I don't know if you've watched any of my, my podcast recently, but I spent a lot of time talking to the left. I have to, because I have to draw them in. We have to convert them, Right. If, if we don't convert them, it's not going to work. So I think we, the only people who can, I believe, open up to the left are libertarians because we do have some left views which they can actually get on board with, right? Generally speaking, drug deregulation, um, ending the war on, on, on poverty. I mean, these are things that a lot of us, we, we, that they, we agree upon, right? right. Um, so I think we can talk to them in these issues. And generally speaking, when you ask the Republicans about ending the war on drugs, they do not want to hear that. They do not. They will begrudgingly like accept cannabis-ish. That's about as far as Republicans will go. But that's it. But Democrats will actually have a conversation about it. They'll have an actual talk on how to make this work. So I think we can. And if we again, that's my single issue voter thing. If I can pull a Democrat over on an issue like that and they say, wait a minute, libertarians actually want to fix things. The thing that most people don't get about most Democrats, and I live in New York City, I know lots of Democrats, most of them actually don't like or care about socialism. That isn't really what they care about. They want to solve problems, and they've been told that that's the best answer, and they believe it because they're talking head. Mm -hmm. It's not that you like, if you ask most Democrats what socialism is, they don't even know what it is. Like They couldn't answer, but they go, no, I, I, I don't like the things, and I want to fix the things. And Republicans just go, Democrats bad, because remember, Democrat, Republicans are in charge now. So they just yell, Democrats bad. When they were in charge, they had plans. Now they have no plans because they're not in charge. Right. So Republicans have no plan. They just go, Democrats bad, stop Democrats. That's not an answer. And Democrats' answer only is, big government, more socialism. Well, if I have a problem and I want it solved and I have no answer or bad answer, I tend to go with bad answer. So a lot of them are going to bad answer. But when you show a, a Democrat, no, no, I can solve that same problem, but it doesn't require government or socialism. I can show you another way. If they get it, and it is hard to our point earlier, they've been told this for many years, sometimes decades. So it's difficult to break through that. But if you do, man, it's amazing. I got to tell you, it's easier for us to get converts from the right, but they go back easier also to go back to the yes. Republican. It's harder for us to get uh, Congress from the left, but when we get them, they stay, right? There's an old saying, the, the, the most zealous are the converted. And when, a, when a, someone who is a hardcore lefty becomes libertarian, they are hardcore libertarian. When they turn, oh my God, they turn. Some of our best you know, activists are former uh, lefties and it's, that's why I'm, I'm all about talking to the left. We have to convert yeah. them. Plus, the next thing is, if you come from the left, you know how to talk to the left. Right. So you can convert more. You, you were one of them. You know how to talk to them, right? So you know how to bring them over. And I think that's, that's the piece that we have to work on. Libertarian Party has not been good talking to the left. It's been one of our weaknesses. And we've got to get better at it. Yeah, I, I think it's, in general, I think the message consistently gets convoluted because... Part of it, I think, and I just to give you a little background on me, like I wanted to get involved in politics. I, I joined my county uh, executive committee and then I was the chairman for a year uh, in Pinellas County. Um, and uh, after one year of it, I'm like, 
much someone else got to take the uh, take the mantle because this is <laughs> there's <laughs> it's it's a thankless job and it, as much work as you do if i feel like there's a, a lot of ego at a, at a small small town level meaning that if someone starts getting to be too big someone else always wants to be the top dog even even yes. in the in the small sandbox that we play in there's a yes. lot of ego um that goes into politics so that's why i kind of said look i'm still going to be libertarian i'm still going to vote libertarian uh, i'll still try to convert people but i'm right now i'm staying outside the party and and just uh you know be, being an outsider who i still talk to people inside the party at times but for the most part i don't want to get my hands dirty right now because it just seems messy although i will say it seems like you know between people like yourself and uh and dave smith and damash and spike cohen um and even joshua smith they has really seemed to somewhat become a little more friendly um with other people in the party even people who are from different sides seem to be getting along a lot better hopefully that stays true over the next i'm not i'm not sure that's true there's a big rift in our party right now it's a there's a massive rift in our party right now it's it's really hurtful and we need someone who can and i hope that's our next presidential candidate i don't know that to be true but i hope it is someone who can kind of unite them together the, the problem we have is i always look at at, at us as the Mongol Empire, I know I'm doing empires now, but why do I do that? Why do I say that? Well, because the Mongol Empire, when there's one big enemy, you know, the Western Europeans or the Chinese, they all get together and they go off and fight. But when there's no big enemy, they fight each other. They break up in a small city states. Right. That's kind of what we do. We yeah. have to have one enemy to go after right and we often don't and we often don't for many reasons one because ballot access shuts us down or the media shuts us down or social media shadow bans us so yeah. we're unable to be effective so what happens we fight amongst ourselves so you know as i would say libertarians have been winning arguments and losing elections for 50 years yeah right and since we win arguments we argue we do what we do best we fall back to what we do best arguing we're good at that so we fall back to arguing versus winning elections. So I would like us to win more elections, of course, obviously. But I do think we're having a problem now. And, and the thing we need is a, is a big goal. And when we have a big goal, the one, you know, what I loved about the Gary Johnson campaign of 2016, there were lots of problems with that campaign, obviously, right? I mean, uh, clearly. But there's a big but to that. It was the best outcome we've ever had as libertarians. Right. We had four and a half million people vote for us, which you've never had before, right? We had, um, we raised like $13 million or something like that. I mean, some insane amount of money, which was great. We raised tons of money, which was nice. So we raised lots of money and did a bunch of good, cool stuff. And we united a lot of people until the end, right? During the campaign, we actually united a lot of libertarians because we had a purpose. We had a mission. We believed maybe we could win. And right. then in the end, obviously that went away. Um, but that's the kind of thing we need more of. We don't have enough of that. We don't have enough of the people who are like, I'm taking the hill, follow me. We don't have enough of those. We need a whole lot more of them. If we had that, we'd be a better party. Yeah, well, and I think it's a couple of things on that that I, I think are funny is, um, I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of libertarians have is, uh, and, and this is gonna sound very arrogant, but we're generally, the libertarian is the smartest person in the room. And I say that somewhat jokingly, but but in all seriousness, generally- we're I, No, no, most... hold on, I wanna be clear. I wanna make a, a, a minor change to this. It's not smartest, it's the savviest. Sure, uh, most, uh, when with most issues, I think it's, they've thought it out more than- Correct, Most yes. people in the room. But there are often very smart people who are completely wrong or biased. Right. Yes. Very good. Right. Yes. So that's why I don't want to use the word smart. I want to use the word either savvy or thoughtful a word because intelligence isn't the key here. Right. It's mindset. That's right. the key. Right. If that makes any sense. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a nudge, but. No, no, no. That's it. That's a, exactly the that's the correct way of saying it is, is we've thought these. But I think sometimes a lot of libertarians fall into the trap of them being very dismissive and almost rude to people who yeah. haven't gone through that philosophical journey to see why this is the issue this is the solution and instead of explaining the path of why this it, it's kind of a dismissive well you're just 
and I've, I've encountered libertarians. We used to do a lot of social events where we'd go, we'd all wear libertarian stuff. We'd go to a bar and people would come up and ask us questions because we were obviously a group of, of people. And it was very effective, but there would be the occasional libertarian who'd be there and they'd ask a question. And he'd be like, ah, you're not worth the time. It's like, whoa, 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 that's not. So I do think, so my philosophy, and I think this plays in actually in a way with your your book that's coming out soon, I, I think, right? Um, I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, so I, I've always said, I think the non-aggression principle kind of is the thing that is maybe the basis or the root of a lot of libertarianism. I've always said, I teach my children that, but the main thing I teach my children, and I think we should preach, is the golden rule, <laughs> too, which I feel like is just on its head, treat other people how you'd like to be treated, is mix that with the non-aggression principle. And that, I think, is perfect libertarianism. Well, that's, that's what I call the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is not treat others how you want to be treated, treat others how they want to be treated. Mm, that's even Do better. Do unto others how they want to be done upon. That's it, right? It's not, I don't even judge me, right? I might say, you know what? I don't, I would not like this, so I don't do this. No, no, you don't like it, so I won't do it. And the example I'll give now is, is a controversial one, but I'll bring it up. I live in New York City. I carry a mask in my pocket. Why? Because some people don't want to talk to me unless they, I have a mask on. They're afraid. I do unto them as they want to be done upon. Some people don't care. Some people are violently against the masks, right? Whatever. So I generally don't wear a mask unless the store says I need to, then I do. Or someone's like, do you have a mask? I go, yes, absolutely. I put one right on and we talk. And when I'm done, I take it off and move away. I, I, I do it because I consent to them. I right. want to have a conversation with them. They feel scared or afraid. They want a mask on, I do it. I don't care if it works. I don't. I don't care if it does or doesn't work. It doesn't matter to me. That person is afraid and would like me to wear one. And I want to talk to that person. I accept. I put the mask on. Well, We're done. I take it off. That's the way I look at life, right? I'm not going to be like, well, I wouldn't want that. So I'm not, no, no, that's what you want. I don't know you. I don't know your issues, where you come from, what TV you watch. If you actually have some pleasing condition you're scared of, what your doctor told you, I don't know. You want the mask on? On it goes, brother. Let's have a conversation. We're done. Off it comes. Somebody else goes, don't wear that mask. I got people, you know, don't wear that mask. That's the, that's the controlling stuff. Off it comes, man. Whatever. I want to do on to those how they want to be done upon. That's the issue. I'm a I'm a mask atheist, which I think is a, I don't care. If, <laughs> if you're gonna view it as an aggression, if I talk to you or or get in the same room as you without a mask, sure, I'll put it on. Uh, obviously, if I I walked I've walked into a room that said, you know, please wear a mask and no one was wearing a mask, that thing came off quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I, I care about the people in the room. I want to, I want them to feel comfortable and safe. If, when they interact with me, whatever that is, it's all fine. Whatever works. Now, one downfall with all of this, I tend to find. So in, uh, and, and this is probably an issue I shouldn't talk to about with, you know, hard red conservative people, but they're people who, you know, a lot of the, even the people who voted for Trump tend to be very skeptical of government and uh, they're anti not, not by default, a bad thing. Right, right. They're, they're, you know, there's, yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of good qualities. And then they like to, they like to loop back to the drugs. And uh, I've had so many arguments that started and ended where I've said, oh, I think all drugs should be legal. That's just all drugs. And they said, I, I have had at least two dozen occasions where the person responded to me with this quote, but I don't want to do heroin. I'm like, well, I, I didn't say we were going to force you to do drugs. <laughs> I, I believe all drugs should be legal. That doesn't mean I'm going to do heroin. <laughs> but there are two parts to that that you have to understand. Two parts. Part number one, in our current environment, what the warlord wants, the warlord enforces on others. That's how our current system works. Our system has trained them to feel that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. You didn't say it. But our system has trained them that that's how it works. When elections have consequences means when the warlord that you don't like wins, they enforce their will upon you. So what they hear you saying is, I want drugs to be legal. In their mind, I'm going to force everybody to do drugs. 
Right. You didn't say that, but they've been trained to hear that. Right. So th that's the, the, the first piece, but it's the second piece here. This goes back to the idea of, I, I, I want to know my audience. When I talk to people from the, the right, I don't talk about all drugs being legal. That's a bridge too far. Right. I know it is for them. It's just a bridge too far. I don't bring it up. What do I say is, can't we at least decriminalize cannabis to give people another option over opioids? And they go, well, there's not, there's, there are very few conservative slash Republicans who actually die on that hill. Right. Right. That hill they used to go, yeah, okay, but we're going to tax it, right? Or something, or no kids, right? I'm like, yeah, no kids. That's true. We 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 are we are all about consenting adults. Absolutely, consenting adults. So yes. And then they go, well, okay. That usually keeps them. And the reason why I do that is because then I'm going to shift into something else, right? I don't want to stay on that. I want them to be like, oh, I want them to think in their minds, okay, that's Larry's worst thing, and I can handle that. All right, let's keep talking. But if I go to all drugs should be legal, I've actually lost them. And they're right. not going to hear the rest. So that's why I don't even do that. I go right to, can we just deal with the cannabis issue? Decriminalize that to give people the option. Then we'll see what the world looks like after that. And very often they'll be like, okay, right? Like, okay. And then I'll go someplace else and we'll be fine. Right. Well, and I, uh, there, there's two, two parts to that too. Is One is we've seen that some places where marijuana has been legalized, now they're opening it to, to a psilocybin or whatever. To, they're... Oh, look, the, the world didn't fall apart when we legalized marijuana. So I think there is, and I, this is one thing I, I love about you, and, and especially with you running for governor of New York, the way you've talked about things is very pragmatic, where yes, I feel like you probably get some nasty messages from libertarians, even though you're talking, and I feel like Gary Johnson did a good job at this, and this was something that libertarians threw mud at him for, too, is, you know, yes, the government shouldn't fund roads. That. It's not going to happen overnight, you know. If we just said, "Hey, yeah, all roads are done," or the the post office, yeah, of course, it, we can't just shut it down tomorrow when we take charge. That's not good. It's not going to yes. work for people. Well, the problem with too many libertarians is they spend so much time around other libertarians and then realize something. They think, "Well, every I remember libertarians about well, everybody hates government." No, that's <laughs> not true at all. I know lots of people who love government. I remember somebody once going. Are you kidding me? Why do you can't like government schools? Who who better to who, who better to train your kids than yourself? And I said, at least half of my city would say government. Yeah. At least half, maybe eighty percent, but for sure, at least half would go. Well, government, of course. Who else would train our kids? Like they can't imagine anything else. And the problem is because we spend so much of our time with other libertarians, we don't get that most of the country loves government. In fact, a whole big chunk of the country doesn't want to be free. So why in the world would we, would we even imagine we're gonna change this? the end the Fed people? Look, of course I wanna end the Fed. Clearly I do. But I tell the story often, I just, I'll, I'll tell you this, this real quick to you. Before my governor said I was non-essential and couldn't work, I used to actually be able to go up and do trainings and, and coaching and stuff like that. And I would train in leadership. And I used to train many agencies. And one agency I would train, this is a true story, I'm out there and they all know who I was and what I had done in the past. And, so they, I don't talk about politics unless they ask and it's during a break. If they bring it up during a break, I talk about otherwise no politics when I'm doing training. And they know sure. that, that's why they don't mind me training. So it's during a break and one of the guys says something like, man, I'm so glad that we had the Fed. They saved us during the 2008, 2009 crash. I don't say a word because I don't step in unless they ask. And of course, the guy looks at me and goes, right, Larry? I'm like, that was a mistake. But I didn't say that, <laughs> but he did do it. He did it, so now you open the door. You should have kept that door closed, but you opened it, so now you got to pay the price. So I said, you guys know that the Fed is basically just a, a, a banking cartel. It's a private bank. It's about 20 people in that room, give or take, between ages 30 and 60, mostly male, but some females too, all educated and all credentialed. Not one person knew that. Not one. So I said, Google it. In fact, they were... Said thought it was crazy. Nah, it's not true. Nah, stop. You got your phones? Google it. Google it now. Some people start Google. Some people just some people just dismiss me as I'm crazy. Some right. actually Google it, and all of a sudden, like, oh my god, what? He's right. He's right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's it's correct. Do you know that the bank just 
magically makes money, just makes it magically? No, that's not true. Now, literally, I was just correct 10 seconds ago, and they still said, no, 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 no. So I said, Google it. They Googled it. Oh, my God, he's right. Yeah. Why do I tell that story? This, these people are voters. They are educated, credentialed adults. And none of them knew in that room in, in the nation's largest city. We have a lot of work to do before we end the Fed. Is, we uh, have a cultural shift that we have to make in this country before we make the other shifts that we want to make. It's not going to work when most of the country thinks you're crazy. That's not how it works. Well, and that that segues into, so a lot of libertarian, well, I'll quote, air quote libertarian there, uh, people that I, I follow, we follow each other on Twitter, a lot of them argue we're never going to change by voting people out. We need to just change. And they, they almost make the argument, change the culture. Don't, you know, be ungovernable, but, but I'm never going to vote. I feel like if, if no, but, the but they're, they're missing, they're missing, <laughs> they're missing a big important point. How do you change the culture? You change the culture by having the culture shift what it values, right? That's how you do it. Right now, what does the culture see someone who doesn't vote as? A loser, you don't care, crazy. That's not going to shift culture. Right. But imagine if all of a sudden someone like Gary Johnson had gotten 40% of the vote. Now he becomes legitimate by their own standards. He becomes legitimate by their own standards, right? He has a Jackie Robinson couldn't be great in the Negro leagues. He had to be great in the major leagues to change the culture of baseball. He had to get into their world and do something great, which then validated everybody else in the Negro leagues. Right. But he had to be the one to go up. We have to have our Jackie Robinson. We have to have somebody who does well up. And to be forward, all people said that crazy. Ron Paul was an example. Yeah. People voted for Ron Paul, which made him in their world legitimate, which began to change the culture. So they're right. We're not going to vote change. But gaining the votes means the spokesperson or the figurehead becomes valid in their world so they can hear that person so we can change the culture. That's the way you do it. If you don't vote, the, the, the answer is, well, I don't want to validate their system. It's the system. And it's not their system, whether you like it or not. It's our system, even though you didn't vote for it, it's what we're in. And that right. system takes away our rights every single year. And by ignoring it, it doesn't matter because when the men with guns come, they're taking your stuff. I don't care if you got a second amendment right. They have more guns than you. They're taking your stuff. Now, if you have a cultural change to where your community will back you, that will change things. But we don't have that because the, the people who are in your community, they believe validation is through being voted for. But you don't even have to win. Beto O'Rourke is valuable and he, he lost everything. Bernie yeah. is valuable and he lost the presidency twice. Yeah. You don't have to win. But once you get voted for, or that is social proof, and the culture goes, oh, he's valid because people voted for them. And libertarians go, but that's not valid. It doesn't matter. That's how people see it. That's how you change the culture. So you need to vote to get the right spokespeople to change the culture. Now, the biggest obstacle to that, I think, and, uh, and you've faced it and you're going to face it again, <laughs> is media uh, coverage validating yeah. Uh, look, Gary Johnson, I still say, could have done incredibly higher if he were allowed to be in the debates. Yes. Um, because let's face it, that Trump changed the, I still feel like elections as nasty as they were, Trump and Hillary became angry and angry and 2020 became angrier and angrier. Yep. And Gary Johnson, as much as people picked on him for sometimes coming off as goofy or silly, he would have been a breath of fresh air in those debates yeah. with Trump and Hillary having a guy who's not screaming and going nuts, just like, hey, guys. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm with you, Lou. The reality of it is here, I, I get it, and I'm with you, which is why you see me doing things like your podcast. I know that the only way to get into the media is to be popular, but you can't be popular unless you get into the media. So how do I do that? Social media. 
That's why I went on Joe Rogan. That's why I went on Glenn Beck. That's why I went on Dave Rubin. That's why I, I go on Dave Smith. That's why I go on those podcasts and, and I go on your podcast. I go on podcasts to become more popular. To if I'm more popular, then by default, social media shifts to mainstream media. Oh, right. he's popular. Oh, so now we want him. So that's how you get into mainstream media by being more popular. That's it. Kim Kardashian has done more for criminal justice reform than our last four presidents. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not because she's smarter or savvier. It's because she's more popular. Not that she isn't smart. I don't know Kim at all. She may be brilliant. I don't know her. All I'm saying, that's not the reason. The reason is because she's popular. That's right. why she's able to do so, because she's popular. I hope she's smart and savvy. I don't know her at all. But that's the reason, right? But the other issue is um, popularity also means debates. Sadly, and I've told this to libertarians, they don't want to hear me. We got to sue again debates. You're never getting the debates unless you're popular. Suing does not matter. It's useless. It's irrelevant. Here's what would have happened. And I know this for a fact because it happened to me. Let's say Gary Johnson's lawsuit had actually worked and he had been he sued and now we've getting debates. Here's what would have happened. They would have scheduled a debate for Hillary and Trump and Gary Johnson. Trump would have said, I'm not showing up. And then there's no debate because then Hillary's not showing up. No debate. So what would have right. happened then? CNN would have said, okay, no debate, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a town hall with Hillary and Trump. And that would have been the debate by default. All that matters is popularity. I Because what debates are actually about is ad revenue. That's what it's about. It's about ad right. revenue. So they would have done a town hall, not because they care, but because of the ad revenue they get from the town hall. They're going to give that up. There's three debates. Why is there three debates? So each of the main three, CBS, ABC, and NBC, back in the day when they first started, each of them would get some cash. That's why they used to do three debates. People know three because, they, no, three because three networks. Right. It was about cash. Now the networks have changed, but now the, 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 the concept of three has stayed because it's become precedent. But the precedent was set because those three networks had to make cash. That was the reason. So my point is popularity is what matters. And here's my example. Imagine if Kanye West last year had actually run a real campaign. He didn't. But if he actually won a ran a real campaign and there were debates, is Kanye in the debates? Hell yeah, because you would have watched Kanye debate and so would I. Oh, we yeah. Oh, would have watched. <laughs> yes, you would have. You so would have watched the debate. You know you would have. So would I. Everyone listening, you so would have watched the debate. Of course you would have. It would have been knows. a real life SNL sketch and funnier. A hundred percent. Yes. We all would have watched it, and they all know it too. So Kanye would have gotten debates, and Jorgensen wouldn't have. Right. That's because here's the reality: if 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 um Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, who uh, I'm sorry, so not Hillary, Clinton, I'm sorry. If um Joe Biden, Trump, and Kanye schedule a debate, if Trump says no, Kanye says I'm still coming. Biden still shows up for Kanye. There's still a debate, which means Trump has to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I was just kidding. I'm coming. There's no way Trump doesn't go to that debate with Kanye and Biden. Right. Everyone's watching. You know Trump shows up. So there's a debate. Kanye gets in debates, not being a serious candidate, just because he's popular, because debates are about ad revenue. So what is our answer? Be more popular. That's why I have a podcast. That's why I go on shows. That's why I stay active on social media. That's why I do events. I'm trying to become more popular. I'm hoping that eventually I'll take off and I'll be more popular. And then when debates come, they'll go, we got to keep Larry in because ad revenue. Right. No, I, I love that answer. And I want to ask you one more question from my 11-year-old uh, daughter. Um, I, I told her I was going to have you on the show. And uh, uh, I'm like, What's hey, her name? You, uh, Isabella. Isabella. I have an 11-year-old also named Josephine. Oh, nice. Nice. Was she? So I said, would you have a question for him? Because she knows more about libertarianism than she should probably. Um, and I blame myself for that. But she, her question wasn't necessarily libertarianism, but it was, why is, uh, let me try to get the wording exactly correct, but basically why is the, the motivator that, uh, I'm going to make it sound a little probably wordier than she said, why is the main motivation that they always try to push uh, for uh, with COVID, with uh, global warming, with every why do they always try to make people so afraid when they when they push their agenda? Uh, and yeah, I, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Yes, it's a very it's a very simple answer. 
people who are afraid are very easy to control. People who are afraid don't think well. People who are afraid make bad decisions. People who are afraid beg for help. It validates the government, it validates their jobs. But not just that, when they validate jobs and they help out, there's no lose for them. And let me be very clear on this. There's a, a horrible tragedy, COVID, uh, earthquake, terrorism, insert thing here, whatever it is. If I'm the government and I make you afraid, what I say is the world's gonna end, I'll save you, and I will do everything I can to save you. Well, let's say people still die, things still go poorly. Well, I still win because I did everything I could to save you. Let's say things go well, people don't die. I'm a hero. Yeah. Either way, I win. So you being afraid is good for me because you won't start thinking that what I'm doing is bad or stupid. You won't think at all. You're afraid. You won't try to do things on your own. You're afraid. You won't make good decisions to save your own community. You're afraid. So fear works very well. Fear is very effective short-term motivator. That's why. Awesome. Larry, before I uh, let you go, um, and I want to encourage, I told you this is generally not a political podcast, but I wanted to have you on because you've been honestly one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent voice since I actually registered Libertarian uh, five, six years ago now that, uh, that I've listened to. And uh, I, I want my listeners, especially people who liked what we talked about, to follow you, listen to your podcast. Where can they uh, find you? And I'll link everything, obviously. But Absolutely. The Sharp Ways, my podcast, it's probably three to four times every weeknight. I do my best to do it every weeknight. The Sharp Way, it's on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the Insta things, all of the Insta web <laughs> things. And of course, if you want to just see what I'm doing, just Google Larry Sharp. Go to LarrySharp.com. My policy page is there. Larry Sharp, again, Twitter, Facebook, all the intro things. I have, all, I have every, me, we, locals. I got everything. And my team monitors everything. Reach out to me if you want to. Someone will get your note back to me. Um, so, yes, the Sharp way. Sharp way. Sharp is with an E. And the E stands for entertaining. Um, or LarrySharp.com. And that E stands for electable. So, remember the E at the end. And uh, please enjoy. Awesome. Larry, thank you so much. I really appreciate, uh, appreciate you sitting down and uh, talking with me today. All righty. Have a great one. You too. All righty. That was it. Me and Larry Sharp. Thank you again to Larry Sharp. Uh, it's so awesome to talk to him. Got some, some good advice from him uh, in there. And, uh, you know, hopefully those of you who are not uh, political, we're not entirely turned off uh, by it. Uh, hopefully, maybe you got something out of it. Uh, I do kind of wish that we had that Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Kanye West debate because it would have been the funniest SNL skit ever, especially since SNL is very rarely funny anymore. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, maybe, well, probably not Kanye and uh, gotta hopefully not Trump and probably not Biden. Uh, who knows what theatrics we may have in uh, 2020, uh, 2024. We got some time. We can, we can really build up some uh, fun, uh, fun pageantry for the debates, perhaps. Uh, anyways, uh, Larry Sharp is a guy who uh, hopefully, you know, as he said, gets more popular. He's in very popular inside of the Libertarian Party and should be more popular outside of it because he's a, an extremely intelligent man, uh, you know, he has real practical and uh, pragmatic solutions, real solutions to problems that can, uh, you know, slowly uh, fix problems that have been caused by government overreach as opposed to ripping them off like a Band-Aid, which I don't think would be tolerated very well by many. And uh, I think some people are scared at the idea of changing things that have been the way they are for so long. Anyways, uh, I... Uh, if you uh, if you saw the YouTube or the short clip of this with me and Larry, um, I am so grateful that by the time you listen to my next podcast episode, my hair will be cut. That's going to be priority number one after Halloween. Uh, <laughs> we'll be getting that done. Uh, so, of nice short hair. Actually, the next podcast that you probably see will be done before Halloween, so I will probably still have the long uh, Kenny Powers mullet going for maybe one more episode. Uh, 
you know, unless I schedule uh, an additional surprise one in, in there. So, again, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope if you are not, that you subscribe or follow, depending on where you listen to your podcasts. Uh, if you would like more video podcasts like I released with Sam Talent, I think usually for most people it's more convenient audio. But if you would like, subscribe to my YouTube channel. If I get more subscriptions there, I'd be more inclined to put podcasts up there as well. Uh, also, I put a funny video. It's only like less than 90 seconds long of me and my son driving into uh, my daughter's car line listening to Beer by Psycho Stick. Uh, that was fun. Uh, really, really, really well shot by uh, someone who was operating a very slow-moving vehicle at the time. Uh, probably, probably not fully allowed, but, you know, that's not an admission of guilt. All right. Anyways, that will do it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to reach out. Follow me on Twitter. Follow all of Larry's stuff. It's all in that show notes. Um, you know, and uh, if you have any questions for me, reach out to me. And, uh, you know, Larry's info, not too hard to reach out to him either. Um, thanks again for tuning in, and uh, I will see you next week. <laughs>